Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, hey, hey. Ty Roxon here. And it's another day to be great. So today's episode is with Jack Davis. Now he's the CEO and founder of Crypt TV. But in our conversation, we talked a lot about his process of being an entrepreneur. What exactly it takes to have a minimum viable product. Essentially what that is, is when you're in a startup and you create a product or feature that satisfies early consumer to provide feedback for future development. And we talk about his entrepreneurship process. We talk about his early days. We talk about what the trends are in media and content development. Also, how he was able to partner up with such influential people in Hollywood. It's definitely one that is relevant for anyone who's doing any business today in the digital landscape. And I I love this mindset, basically, on being able to own what it is that you're an expert in and the confidence that you need to have in order to make sure that you're successful in today's world. I call them the Kevin Feige of the Monster Universe. And for those of you that are comic book nerds like me, you would understand just how important Kevin Feige is. So hope you enjoyed the interview. And as always, let me know what you think. Love you all. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's episode is with Jack Davis. Jack is the CEO and founder of Crypt TV. Now, the core of his company is taking a scary genre and developing content for digital, social, and handheld device distribution. So this is basically something that's a game changer for any creative. The company has quickly established themselves as the key player in the space where partners and investors, including Jason Blum and Eli Roth, are uh, part of the space. Now, Jason Blum, for all of you that don't know, he's um, pretty prominent for taking um, very, very uh, cheap budgets and turning them into $100 million films. And so I'm pretty excited to talk to you about this. Welcome to the show, Jack. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I appreciate the kind introduction. Pleasure is mine. So tell us. What before Jack Davis became the CEO and founder of Crypt TV? What was the uh, early life like? What, what was uh, well, childhood for? I was actually in college before I started Crypt, so you know that really had a huge influence in me in terms of I grew up as a classic entertainment consumer. You know, I'm sure you and me grew up very similarly. Right. I watched 
TV shows on cable. I watched Lost on ABC. I went to the movies with my friends, trying to get away from my parents, going to the mall. And then, you know, I went to college at Duke University, and I was in college between 2010 and 2014. And in those four years, I really feel like that's when media started to shift. All of a sudden, you watched highlights of sports on your phone. People fell in love with YouTubers as a way to get original entertainment. Great clips on Twitter and Instagram. So when I graduated college, it was really apparent to me that this was the future of entertainment. And no one was doing it for scary. A genre that's been powerful and created iconic characters, you know, like Frankenstein and Freddy Krueger, and has been huge in every medium. And since I was so convinced this next medium of mobile and digital was what was important, uh, I was lucky that I had the opportunity to partner with, like you said, Eli Roth and Jason Blum to be the first to bring scary to a younger mobile audience. That's so fascinating to me because you're right. Yeah, I mean, we're not that far apart in age, but the thing is, you're, the, the shift in the way we consume media definitely happened you know, in the last six to seven years. And before you even go forward, I got to give you kudos for being a blue devil because I'm a huge YouTube fan. But <laughs> oh, well, that's that's good. Usually, people like I have to hide the Blue Devil because everyone hates Duke. Nah, so nah. talking with the Duke fan, that's that, that's rare, and uh, I'm lucky for that. No, nah, no, nah, I love it, and I, I I welcome the hate. Bring it up, but <laughs> people hate the best, man. That's what it is. That's, that's exactly what it is. But it, it, to bring it back to this, it's it's interesting because I'm very curious why you chose the scary genre. Because if I remember correctly from my research, you weren't a fan of scary films initially. So what made you well, that? I, I, I wouldn't say that I was not a fan, but I would also, to be fair, would not say that I was a hardcore fan. You know, mm-hmm. the scary genre has some people who really know their stuff, who are really brilliant, who are hardcore fans. It, it wouldn't be fair to put me in that category. But at the same time, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was around entertainment. I loved great scary movies as well as knew how important they were in our culture. So I think the answer to why scary when trying to create a digital media company is, frankly, no one was doing it. And I know how powerful this scary culture is, both uh, economically and culturally, right? Scary movies have always been a huge part of the money in entertainment and a huge part of the cultural zeitgeist. No one was doing it for mobile. As well as scary allows you to create characters, right? Freddy Krueger, Crypt TV wants to create the next Freddy Krueger. I think we had some monsters we've already created that are well on their way to being there. And this this genre really allows you to create characters, and great characters last forever. Right, absolutely. And can you talk a little bit about your content development process? Because maybe some of the people in the, in the audience have recognized some of the content you put out, the, the oh, of course. movies you've developed. So we want to be Marvel for Monsters. You know, we want to create a monster universe. Marvel created a universe of amazing superheroes on the comic book because that's where people were. We're trying to create a universe of amazing monsters on the phone. So we've created characters like the Birch, which won uh, a Webby Award and has over 30 million views. Wow. We, have a, a, we, we do multiple episodes of our best monsters now, like the Luxie, which has 30 million views across four episodes. And there's, you know, 45-minute YouTube mythology deep dives by great YouTubers trying to understand, oh, what's the mystery behind the look-see? So we really have a lot of different great monsters. And the way we create them is, you know, we have an amazing amount of data. So we know how to create a great five-minute short. You know, you can never take for granted great creative or a great writer's original take. But we know, okay, here are the beats you have to hit in a scary short to make it effective. 
and we know how to make it cost efficient. So we're always looking to create a monster, and we combine our data with, with an amazing development team, an amazing production team, a post-production team. We really kind of have a quick boot camp we send filmmakers through, and that allows us to bring new stories to the screen. Wow. And, dang. So you, if I, I'm just trying to think about all this stuff here because I've actually seen The Verge. It's extremely well produced. I didn't know it was you. So that, that's amazing. And then to talk about the views that you've had and the partnerships with Jason Blum and Eli Roth, I'm thinking here as an entrepreneur, you got this idea in school. And if I remember correctly, you studied sociology and political science. But you had, you were surrounded by media. What are some of those early stages that you can extrapolate as an entrepreneur right now? What can you say to someone that's looking like, like I've got an idea, even though I'm studying something that I don't want to do something. Got an idea, and I need to find heavyweights partners like Jason Blum and Eli Roth. And I also need to be able to build an audience simultaneously so that I can prove my MVP. Can you take us through the, the steps that you took as an entrepreneur so maybe the uh, people in the audience can also extrapolate those lessons as well? The steps you can take as an entrepreneur is you have to be the best at what you do. I will never, ever be better at knowing the movie business than Jason Blum. Mm -hmm. I will never, ever be better at knowing how to direct a TV show or a feature than Eli Roth. But the way I was able to get those amazing partners, and I'm quite fortunate for them, but the way I was able to get those amazing partners to join the Crypt team, to join my team, is because I knew everything about digital. I was so passionate about digital. When I had the chance to get in front of those two amazing gentlemen and meet them and talk to them, I didn't try and tell them about their business. I didn't try and tell them that movies are going to die because I don't necessarily believe that. And I don't need to be fatalistic about their industry to be excited about mine. So it's really just knowing that you don't have to be the expert. You know, you, I'll never beat Jason Blum at his game. I'll never beat Eli Roth at the Eli Roth game. You got to be confident in what you know. You got to bring a new idea to the table. Because if you're just trying to play in experts' ideas, they're the experts for a reason. Yeah. So wow. I would say that was the biggest thing getting key stakeholders on is be passionate about what you know. Don't try and beat them at their own game. Bring new ideas to the table and make sure you really research, are passionate, and know your space backwards and forwards. Yeah. That is, so, that is so key, too. Know your space back and forth and really own your own niche. I always say, even if you, if you want to be an expert in something and you don't own it, um, you're not quite the expert there. You can also be the Google of that niche in the sense that you can be someone that knows the trends of the, the place you want to be an expert in. You know who the influences are. You know what the history of it is and what the current events are. And, and if you do all that, you're going to be able to articulate yourself in a good position that can impress someone like an Eli Roth. And this is taking me... A hundred percent. No, I think I, I, you're, you're hitting it. I mean, this is like, I love hearing stuff like this. But this is taking me to the next point because... You have an interesting story with how you met Eli Roth. And before we get into that story, can you explain to the audience who Eli Roth is? Because I'm, I'm very into media, so I know it. Yeah. But the probably like, Eli is a very well-known director, writer, producer, and actor uh, in this space. You know, Eli's done stuff now outside of Scary, but he got his start doing movies like Cabin Fever and Hostel, which were, you know, very well-known. Yeah. So he was kind of, you know, known as, you know, he's now he's known for many things, but he really got his start as the incredible genre storyteller, a, a, a horror storyteller, 
And he also played the Bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. A movie that many people have seen. And, uh, you know, he kills Hitler in that movie. So not a bad title to have. Not know. a bad title. And, by the way, that's how you met him, right? You were sitting next to him. Can you tell that story? You sit next to me. I think so I happened to sit next to Eli. And, you know, you think about, you know, it, it can be sometimes overwhelming to think about how chance encounters change our lives. Because meeting Eli was, quite frankly, a chance encounter. And it certainly changed my life. And I feel so lucky to have him as a partner. But I sit down next to Eli at dinner, and I turn to him and I say, Teddy Effin Williams knocks it out of the park. Fenway in seat for Teddy. Effin ball game. He went yardo on that one, all the way down to Lansdowne Street, which is Eli's speech when he's the Bear Jew and Inglorious Bastard. Uh, and I knew that speech because I was actually at the time in college, and I was in a fraternity. And, you know, in fraternity, you have to do pledging, and they gave us pledge names. And that was the kid in line next to me's pledge name. So Eli oh thought it was God. so funny that I knew the speech, and he said, how do you know that so well? And I said, well, I'm in a frat, and I heard that speech 73 days in a row, 15 times a day. I mean, I really heard that speech under very adverse conditions of pledging a fraternity, so I really <laughs> knew it. And he thought it was so funny, he called my pledge brother, they did the speech backwards and forwards, and I just was like, wow, Eli Roth, you're a really cool guy. So I, we had a very funny way that started our friendship. And then as I got to know him, you know, we didn't really start Crip TV right away. As I got to know Eli, though, you could see this was someone who cared about the future. This was someone who had done so well in traditional film and television, but wanted to know what was next. And that's what's really made him a great partner. You know what? And, and, it, and this, goes, this is why I was flowing the interview this way, because this goes back to that previous point where you were saying, you know, you, you couldn't beat Eli Roth or Jason Blum at the game, but what you could own was the digital media space. And the things like you could... I'm sure the things you talked about, whether it was what, what the industry was like, what trends were in the future, the things that you had built an expertise in, that's probably what attracted um, um, someone like him to say, hey, look, I, I love what you know, Jack here is creating, and that maybe I even see some of myself in him, in a sense. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you know, Jason, I met Jason after I started Crypt. Obviously, me and Eli co-founded Crypt, and I met Jason afterwards. But Jason, very similar in terms of, I mean, amazing success in the traditional space, but someone who wants to learn about digital, who wants to learn about what a young audience is doing, about why and how people are consuming content on their phone. And when you get someone who's intellectually curious, and you know, the, you know, the really great successes in life, most of them are very intellectually curious people. So when you have someone who's intellectually curious about what's next, that's what you have to know and own as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. You have to know all the companies in the digital world. You have to know how their business models are different. You have to know how the young consumer, uh, you know, what their habits are because these people know their space. You try and talk to them about their space, you're going to look dumb real quick. You have to know your space. Yeah. Now, this is this is this just takes me back to how you must have built this. Did you did, you, did your parents play a big role in your life? What was that like? Yeah, my, I mean, my parents are my, like, I'm just very close with them. Um, you know, I would say they played a big role in terms of just always pushing me. You know, my mom is the greatest, and she never let me uh, not have a summer job. You know, when I was 12 years old, she made me get a summer job. I had to go for free help in my elementary school I had just graduated from. Um, and, you know, my dad always gave me great guidance in business and life and just in terms of, my dad never really gave me specific advice. But he was more just like, don't quit. Some days it sucks. Some days it's great. You're never as smart as you are in the days when you feel like you're on top. And you're never as dumb as you are in the days when you feel like you're on bottom. Just keep going through. 
you know, don't don't get high in your own supply and never quit. So I think my parents both kind of gave me more of those guiding principles in terms of just always making me feel secure and making me feel like, you know, focus on the task at hand. And uh, I'm very fortunate for that. That's amazing. And your mom also made you, did she make you get a job when you were younger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She made me get a job uh, every summer. And I'm very lucky because, you know, I was a kid. I was lazy. I was dumb. She kind of had to kick me in the butt and push me out there. But once you get pushed out into the work world, even as a young person, you know, I was 13, 14 years old, you realize, oh, these people aren't necessarily smarter than I am. And that's not to say I'm so smart. It's just that you kind of realize when you're out actually in the game that everyone doesn't totally know what they're doing and everyone's trying to figure it out. And you have just as good a shot of figuring out as they do. Yeah. Wow. See, so anyone listening, obviously you're hearing own, you know, there's something you got to own your niche, own your, own your, your expertise and definitely don't slack in the efforts of understanding the ins and out of that because you never know how valuable that is. That's actually your, your most valuable thing where you, you can meet anyone who's successful in whatever industry, if you can show them how this is relevant to them, whether in the future sense or now, it makes you infinitely more, more resourceful and more valuable. And then, obviously, that led for you to be able to get these heavyweights as partners. And, I mean, there's no – what you've done has been incredible because you have millions of views every day, one. You have the target demo that a lot of traditional media wants, you know, the 26 to 39 mm-hmm. And you have, you know, an IP that's, that's modeled and set up for growth. Now, the, the, that's tremendous success. I'm, I'm curious now about ways you can test this out. And the, way, the reason why I'm asking this is there are entrepreneurs who might not be in the media field, but they have an MVP, a most viable product, and they're thinking, how can I test this to see if it's something that's going to work? How did you test your Crypt TV idea to see if it's going to resonate with the audience, and how did you adjust based on feedback? You know, the greatest thing about having a company on the internet, and you know this because you have a very successful podcast, is you get to interact directly with your consumers. So adjusting Crypt TV content and monsters based on how the audience interacts isn't part of what we do. I would say it's all of what we do. Wow. You know, okay. like that. that ma- We're not making entertainment for ourselves. We aren't making Crypt videos so that I can watch them. We're not making crypt videos so that our 20-person you know, uh, team, our 20 employees, watch them. We're making them for the millions of people that are watching. The biggest thing you have to avoid in entertainment is ego. Because it's very easy to think of yourself as a tastemaker. It's very easy to think of yourself as, oh, I know what's best for everyone. The truth is, respect the consumer. And we have this amazing thing where when we put a video on Facebook where we have over 7.5 million fans, when we put a video on YouTube where we get over a million unique viewers a day, we're seeing what they like. We see what monsters they respond to. We see what type of content they like. We see which age demos are interacting with which monsters, the run times, all these things. We actually only grow monsters that hit certain thresholds with we see in the viewership and the analytics, etc. We look at the comments, not just to look at them, the comments actually influence the creative direction we go down for uh, when we're making more episodes of our best shows. So the fans are the only reason we do this, and they don't sort of help our creative process. They drive our creative process. That's the biggest difference between traditional media and digital media, and I don't think it's traditional media's fault. It's just harder to get data and feedback and analytics through TV and movie, while when you're posting content to the Internet, you see it right away in real time.
No, I love this, man. You're so good at this, and it's, it's no wonder you're successful at this, but um, it's... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think it's always interesting, especially in our generation, when you know my overall mission is to help develop or teach you how to be the next set of global leaders. And the only way I do that is by learning from people like yourself who, like you said, you identify a trend, become an expert in what it is that you want that what you want to be an expert in, position yourself where you can find the connecting partners that can either leverage it or expand it into a wider audience, and then understand that you should not disrespect your intended target audience. It's about helping people go from a current condition or current situation to a desired destination and if you're if 100 percent exactly and you know i always tell my team i'm not your boss our investors aren't your boss my boss isn't you know our i love our investors but they're not the boss and i'm not the boss the audience is the boss mm. no one can turn us off faster than the audience mm. and conversely no one can make a success crypt into a success besides the audience they're the only one who can make us huge, and they're the one who can turn us off the fastest. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm such a geek for like this whole thing because I study the movies and TVs and the industry, but I'm curious from your point of view what you're, you're seeing the, the shift in digital media is. You know, with, with YouTube, I mean, there, there are YouTube personalities, there are YouTube shows, YouTube is now doing YouTube Red, there's Netflix, there's Amazon, there's, you know, Disney's talking yeah, about having so their much own. Is happening. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's so much. I wonder what, as, as, a, as someone who is creating the Marvel for Monsters, what do you think about it? Is this good for us? Is this bad for us? I mean, Disney... I think it's great for us because okay. right now the consumer has a lot of options. Okay. I think anyone who tells you they know what's going to happen is lying. You know what I mean? Of course, we all have our theories. We all can look at some information or see certain things. But I think that it's the kind of wild, wild west again because now movies aren't competing with other movies. They're competing with your time. They're competing with your attention. They're competing with the phone and TV is competing with people cutting the cord. And there's, like you said, amazing YouTubers creating content and Facebook's making amazing original shows. And Amazon is getting into this game and doing Lord of the Rings and so much is happening. Right. So I think that it's too early to say who's going to win and who's going to lose. But I do think that entertainment is going to be a lot better for this because whenever there's infinity consumer choice, which is what's happening right now. I mean, to your point, the supply of ways you can have media or entertain yourself is just amazing. Whenever there's this much supply, it's going to eventually be good for the end consumer. So I think you know, competition is going to be fierce, but it's going to breed better entertainment and 
better connectivity with the audience. And the audience is getting more in control every day thanks to the amount of supply they have because now suppliers know they can't take the audience for granted. No, no, absolutely. And with the audience, how do you stay in regular content with your audience? Do you have, um, you know, do you have regular communication with them? I'm talking beyond just putting out the videos and looking at the comments. Is there a way where people can subscribe to something and then you yeah, can Yeah, so we, we, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, that's a great question. And I would say the answer is we do it both super quantitative and by the numbers, but also super qualitative and going through the comments. The qualitative is read through the comments. We don't just make our audience and distribution the comments. Mm. You can't work at Crypt TV without reading through the comments. Whether you're in content, business, distribution, you're reading the comments. These are our people. These are our people who are you know giving us a home every day to come to. These are the people who are the reason we have our jobs. I'm not the reason you have the job. The audience. So we read through the comments every day. We try and interact with fans. Whenever fans message us, we try and respond. We try and really see what they're liking. We try and give back as much as possible and do giveaways and giveaway merch and, you know, all that exciting stuff. And then the quantitative stuff is really important because we do have millions of fans. So sometimes when you have millions of fans, that's a lot of information to get through, right? Like, you know, it, it, it's not so easy to understand what people are saying when, they're, when there's so much information to digest. So we actually hired, you know, a, a head of audience distribution. We have an in-house data scientist. We actually have people who are trying to make sense of all the noise, right? So we go through the comments and try and read from real people and talk to real people. But then we also try and look at this big picture of millions of views a day and figure out what it all means. Yeah, nice, nice. No, I love that. Okay, so when, when you talk about figuring out what that means, that leads me to this. Um, remember reading, you, you had done something with Snapchat, right? I mean, it, and it wasn't necessarily the result you wanted, but can you talk about that experience about what you learned from it and how that helped you adapt? Because uh, I, I want to give an audience into the mind of an entrepreneur, how things don't always happen as expected and how you can learn from that. Talking about our Snapchat murder mystery? Yes, exactly. Snapchat so murder the Snapchat mystery. Murder, the, the Snapchat murder mystery actually went pretty well. This was one of the first moments where Crypt kind of felt like I made I feel like Crypt made it on the scene, so to speak. This is back when it was June, July of 2015. Nobody knew who we were. We were still trying to figure it all out, like you said. And we did this Snapchat murder mystery. 10 influencers in a house and they start dying one by one. And since it's Snapchat, you know, the story's going to disappear in 24 hours. You have 24 hours to figure out who the killer is. And this blew up. Uh, it really blew up. I mean, it blew up our Snapchat channel. A lot of people wrote about it. People thought it was like a really interesting, fun thing. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I think the part of it that might have been just not disappointing, but, you know, the company didn't blow up overnight because of that. But it was the first thing that ever happened that gave us the confidence you can tell great scary stories in this format. We just have to stay innovative in how we tell stories, right? So it did very well. And I just think entrepreneurs, and you know, you're so great at giving advice to aspiring entrepreneurs and helping people with their brand. You have to know just because you have one success doesn't mean the job is done. Yep. Snapchat Murder Mystery helped us unlock some of our potential, some of our understanding of endemic mobile storytelling. But it's not like all of a sudden we did it we're done. The company's successful. No, we you got a lot more work to do. So yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hit on. It was that point where with the Snapchat thing that there might have been like you know that spike, and a lot of times 
I've noticed this happened to me multiple times um, where you have this interesting spike in traffic. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm on my way. I've done everything you need to do. And then you're like, nope. It, it comes back down and you're like, oh gosh. And so you have to, exactly. you have to learn. Like, what did you learn from that event? Like, and I, I always have to, I try to get into that mindset. I'm like, okay, how can I learn and how can I make this scalable so that I don't keep being, uh, so I don't keep staying reactive. And so that, I think what, what we learned is you can never take for granted that the platform in which you're telling the story on, you have to make the story specific to that platform, right? Mm. You know, you, you, you made a great point earlier about, oh my God, the amount of different supply of media there is now. Wherever you're making content, no matter the quality, no matter the genre, no matter the nature of the content, you have to make it specific for that platform. You can't just copy and paste anymore. You can't just copy and paste a TV show and then it works as well for an Instagram audience. And some of the content you love on Instagram wouldn't work so well if you saw it in a movie theater. So I think that Snapchat murder mystery, we really learned storytelling has to be endemic to the way the end user is consuming it. And you're so good at this, Matt. I'm so glad that we got to talk. This is amazing. So um, as, as I wrap up and get ready to, to close, I want to sort of talk, I want you to talk to content creators. I mean, you're in this space. I'm in this space, but, you know, a lot of what you do are things like, you know, creators like me are inspired to do, where you create a platform that you can sort of scale. Now, a lot of content creators are, I know we talked about the supply and demand earlier, but they're in the space where they create content consistently. And some of them, they know it's good, but they don't quite know how to build an audience around that. Or you don't quite know how to find the right people, despite the level of expertise they have. And then they have this you know, frustration wall and, and it, it becomes this whole thing and sometimes they give up or sometimes they water down the content to try and go on the, you know, swag jack, something else. What would you tell a content creator to do if they want to build a consistent audience around their expertise? You have to be consistent in how much you post. You mm-hmm. need to drive intentional viewing, you know. You need to make it a habit. You need to make people actually want to come to you. The great thing about social media is People can find you. You can have something go viral or you can you know, do a hashtag so people can find you in their feed. But the way to build a truly loyal audience is to make the viewing intentional. Make people not just come across you. They want to see your content. They are coming every Tuesday or every Tuesday and Thursday. You're building media consumption habits within your audience. That is very, very, very important. And then the other thing is, back to my advice as it regards to when I first had the chance to bring Eli Roth and Jason Blum as partners, you got to do what you know. You're not going to talk about something you don't know as well as someone who does know. So be true to yourself. Be true to your own interests. Be true to your own brand. Because you can't be somebody else better than they can. But you can be yourself better than anyone else in the world can. Yes, you can. Uh-huh. Speaking my language. So let's talk about the future. Where do you see the future for Crypt TV? And are you going to be doing more movies? Or are you going to be like... We're going to be doing everything. You know, We started this company on mobile because that's where a young audience was, and that's where we could build brand affinity, and we're now huge on YouTube and Facebook and all these places. But I think that our monsters can succeed anywhere in any format. You know, you think about Marvel. What makes Marvel great is it's the stories. Yes. You know, are we going to be watching movies in 15 years? I, I don't have the answer, but I do know that Iron Man is going to be relevant, and I do know that Captain America and Thor and Black Panther is going to be relevant in 15 years, whether we're watching those as films or whether we're watching them as something else. So yeah. the goal for Crypt moving forward is to make sure we create amazing monster stories that people need to 
want to watch on any platform. And we are going to hopefully announce some deals here in the near future where we're bringing our monsters to different types of platforms. But that's the key. Because again, in this crazy media landscape, I can't promise that I know how people will be consuming. But yeah. great stories last forever. Yeah. No, and I, I can, you know, if I'm even allowed to predict, I can predict a lot of experiential elements to what you're going to do in the future as well. And um, I can definitely see the, the, the trend going that way. I, I love what you said about the Marvel. I'm such a, I'm a comic book nerd, so I follow Marvel, DC, and everything. But I've, and, you know, the big Infinity War thing was, was such a big, um, as a fan, it was a big thing for me to observe because it was, you know, a lot of 18, 19 movies in the making. And it was basically, each of these movies ended up playing such a huge role. And I marveled at the way that storytelling ended up paying off in that movie. Now, I've also seen other studios, DC, uh, I'm a big fan of Warner Brothers DC, I'm a big fan of Superman, but I'm always disappointed with what they do with the movies. Um, they try to emulate that, but they miss a lot of the steps you said. Yeah. The thing that, that Marvel has is Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige is, you know, the, you know, the guy that sort of architected the whole thing and sort of understands how each of these things play. You calling yourselves Marvel for Monsters and observing how Universal Studios tried to create a dark universe. Uh, by creating all these monsters by rushing the process, does that sort of give you? Does that get you excited? I'm, I'm excited for you. Does that get you excited? Of course, about you, you never. See- you know, you hit a great point. You can never rush the process. Yeah. It has to build because that's what makes fans feel like they're part of the journey. You yeah. can never make the consumer feel like you're just trying to sell to them. Yeah. Because then it's not authentic. You yeah. need to respect the consumer. You need to bring them along for the ride. And if you treat your big consumers with respect, they're not just going to want to pay. They'll want to pay more. But you have to respect them. You can't just slap it together. You know, our crypt monsters all exist in the same universe. Yes. Looksee, Sunny Family, Cole, you know, they all exist in the same universe. But we're very careful about how we choose to tease that out and how we show that because you can't, you know, you can't blow that too quickly because you have to build out in an elegant way that build builds the backstory so people want to see it. They want to be a part of it. They want to see how it interacts, and when it does interact, it needs to actually make sense. It yeah. can't just feel like, let's slap all these together to see if we can squeeze some dollars here. You Absolutely. have to respect the storylines, and you have to have the patience. And that's why you know we say Marvel for Monsters, we want to have longevity. We want mm-hmm. this company to be around for a long time, and we want our characters to be around for a long time. And you can't do that if you prioritize the short term over the long term storytelling. Hey, you hear it, you heard it here first. They're going to be talking about Jack Davis the way they talk about Kevin Feige because this is this is just amazing what I'm hearing. And it, I, like my mind thinks like this, and I think in movies, but I can honestly see it, and I, I, I'm just amazing to just see you even. Um, well, yeah, I think you are too kind. Uh, I very much appreciate your kind words. You know, it, you know, I've, I've listened to this podcast. I see how much you really both care about and understand brand building. So uh, I think the Crypt brand and our monsters have a long way to go, but having your blessing and your excitement uh, is definitely <laughs> something we're lucky to have. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm, 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 I honestly see it. The last question I always ask my, uh, well, one of the last questions I always ask my, my listeners is my mission statement. This is the reason why I do everything. I always say use your difference to make a difference because I firmly believe we all have, you know, something unique of ourselves that has an ability to make an impact. So, you know, Jack, how do you use your difference to make a difference? I think the way we use our difference to make a difference at Crips, because, you know, I want to do many things with my life, of course, but right now I'm, you know, 100% focused on Crips. Our mission statement is create culture-changing monster stories that bring the world closer together. Mm. You know, monster stories 
give us a unique permission structure to talk about difficult issues, to kind of explore difficult emotional circumstances in our lives. You know, you look at it, a film that was, you know, a film of my investor, Jason Blum, Get Out. Yeah. Get Out is such a fantastic movie. And, you know, it uses a scary story and a, you know, a horror story to tell a very important, emotional, meaningful story. There's something about monsters that allow us, something about storytelling that allow us to dive into something deeper than ourselves. So we here at Crypt, we want to tell meaningful stories. You know, yes, the monsters are very visually rich. Yes, you know, we try to have a lot of fun in, with our audience and tell exciting, energetic stories. But we're also trying to get deeper messages across. You know, we have our monster, the look sees about letting go of grief in that process. Sunny Family Cult's about coming into your own and trying to accept that you might want to do something different than what your parents want for you. All of our monster stories have a deeper emotional thread. So I would say the way we're trying to make a difference is tell culture-changing monster stories that even though they're monster stories, actually bring people closer together around emotional issues. Absolutely. No, that was a great example of Get Out because it's such a... Social commentary uh, a picture, and it even reminds me of uh, uh, Donald Glover's Charles Gambino's This is American video. There are many types of storytelling that you can paint the horrors of society, but also make us reflect on what's going on. And, and, so, and art has an, a unique ability to be able to make us reflect, like you said, and to allow us to kind of think deeper. So Crypt just wants to be contributing to that through monster stories. Love it. Man. Big, fan, big fan of what you're up to. Please tell us well, what thank we Thank you so much for having me on the program. Oh. I'm very fortunate to be on. Pleasure is mine. Pleasure is mine, Jack. Where can we find out more about you and what you are up to? You can follow me on Twitter at NotJackDavis, at NotJackDavis. Uh, and I'm very easy to reach. I think I have all my contact info actually on my Twitter. And, gotcha. of course, what I really want you to do is follow Crypt TV, uh, which you can follow at YouTube.com slash Crypt TV, CryptTV.com, Facebook, Crypt TV. You know, Crypt TV is everywhere. So uh, follow Crypt TV before you follow me. I'm going to subscribe on YouTube, but brother, this has been nice. This has been an education on many levels from just the entrepreneurial level to the media level to even just understanding uh, just how to, to position yourself if you want to be a brand. So I appreciate you taking the time uh, and uh, blessing us with your knowledge. Uh, thank you. And uh, maybe uh, you know, after Crypt keeps growing, we can come back on and do it again. We've had a great time. I would love it. I would love it. Uh, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.